Tigers podcast. This is the podcast about how to lead creative people, specifically how to be the leader that creative people need. My name is Todd Henry. I'm the author of the book Hurting Tigers. And on this show, we talk about some practical, tactical things we can do as leaders of creative people to understand better what it is that they need from us and to make sure that we're positioning ourselves to bring more of what they need every day as leaders. Listen, a lot of times we aren't aware of how our actions affect the people around us. And we're not aware of how our decisions trickle down within the organization, how they affect the work as a whole. And when we are a leader, when we are put in a position of responsibility and we're leading the work, we're not responsible for doing the work, we're responsible for leading the work, which means we own the culture, we own the talent on the team, meaning the development of the people on the team. And we also own, very specifically, we own the work, but the work with a capital W. We own the work as a whole. We own the environment in which the work happens. And so primarily on this show, we're going to focus on those three things. We're going to focus on the culture. How do we develop a culture in which creative people can thrive? What do they need from us? How do we create more of a culture in which they feel like, I love working here. I feel pushed. I feel challenged. I feel like I have the stability I need to be able to take risks. How do we develop talent. So how do we understand what makes people unique and how do we push them to be more of who they are, to bring more of what they do uniquely to the table every day as creative pros. And then finally, the work as a whole, the capital W work. How do we create an environment in which the work gets done and it gets done well, it gets done with excellence. And as we do these three things, as we focus on culture, talent, and work, it becomes a almost like a dream loop, right? It becomes a self-perpetuating cycle where you know uh, a great culture a great attracts great talent, and great talent produces great work, and great work provides the resources we need to invest in the culture, and it becomes this self self-perpetuating cycle over time. And if we get them wrong, if we have a culture in which creative people cannot thrive, then we're going to begin to lose talent. And if we begin to lose talent, then the work is going to suffer. And as the work suffers, the culture is going to suffer. And it becomes, as Jim Collins calls, a doom loop, right? Things get worse and worse and worse. We don't know why. We don't understand why. Well, it's because we're not focusing on those three primary responsibilities we have as a leader, the the culture, the talent, and the work. So today on the show, we're going to focus primarily on the talent piece of this. What is it that we need to do as a coach? How can we step up? And there's an entire chapter in Hurting Tigers on this. How can we step up from peer to coach as a leader? You know, as a peer, we want to be liked. As a peer, we want to be friends with people on our team. But the problem is we can't do that. A friend encourages other people and tells them, hey, you're great. I love you. You're wonderful. Here's what's good about you. Go do that thing. If somebody comes to us and says, hey, I'm thinking about taking this this risk. What do you think? Yeah, go do that. Sure. Absolutely. A friend encourages, but a coach challenges people to get better. And in order to be able to coach people effectively, we have to understand how they're wired. We have to understand what makes them unique. And so today I want to talk about the three categories that came up in a conversation I had for Herding Tigers with a guy named David Weiser. David is a, a hiring consultant. He has a company that helps place uh, chief marketing officers within organizations. But primarily, he is obsessed with what makes people tick and how to put people in positions where they're likely to thrive. So I want to share with you some insights from Herding Tigers today, specifically about how we can better understand the people on our team and understand what they're wired for, and then how we can position them to succeed. And, and maybe even as importantly, we can begin to identify some things that we're at and things we're not good at and places where perhaps we are creating havoc (laughs) within our organization because we are not positioned to be able to bring the best of who we are to what we do because we're trying to do things we're not naturally wired for. 
So I want to read uh, an excerpt from Herding Tigers right now. This is a uh, in the chapter called Leading Brilliance, which is primarily about um, coaching your team. But I want to read an excerpt that's called Help Them Understand What Drives Them. This is about understanding what drives your team and positioning them to be able to bring their best work. So thus begins the excerpt. Creative people often have broad shoulders and diverse capabilities. There are a lot of things that people on your team could do. The question is, should they? If you put someone in a position where every day of work feels like drudgery, he might succeed for a while, but his motivation will wane over time. He will struggle with burnout and dissatisfaction. As we saw in chapter two, which you didn't, but you will if you read the book, people grow bored if they do not feel appropriately challenged. Being in a role that pushes people to grow can make the difference between passable work and exceptional work. As a coach, it's your job to help the talented, creative people discover the work they are made for and that lights their fire. This doesn't mean that they will love every task they do. No one does. But it does mean that they are generally doing work that gives them a sense of engagement and gratification. Executive recruiter David Weiser told me just because they have the experience and skills to do the work doesn't mean they're right for a particular job. They'll get bored very quickly if they're not in the right place, and that will create problems for everyone. Weiser categorizes most jobs into one of three categories, jobs for builders, jobs for fixers, and jobs for optimizers. All right, so I want to talk about these three categories, jobs for builders, jobs for fixers, and jobs for optimizers. Because if you don't understand how the people on your team are naturally wired, they might end up in a job where they're bored, they're frustrated, they're creating havoc for everyone around them. You don't know why. They don't know why. And the reason is they're not doing tasks that they're naturally wired for. So who are builders? Builders are people who live for the process of creating something new. These are people who love wide open spaces. These are the innovators. These are the people who don't want to work on existing systems. They want to be thrown into a wide open space and be told, hey, go figure it out. Go build something. These are the entrepreneurial types. These are the people who want a new challenge and they need wide open spaces. If they feel like you're putting them in a role where they're primarily maintaining, they're going to get bored. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to start blowing things up just for the sake of inventing something new. This is what builders do. And so if you have a builder on your team who is primarily tasked with maintaining the relationship with a client, right, or who is primarily tasked with doing production work that isn't very exciting, it's not very innovative, they're going to get bored very quickly. Now, maybe that's the job. That's fine. But you have to figure out some way as a leader of giving them tasks that allow them to exercise that builder nature that's inside of them. And it could be a skunk works type project, something on the side that you give them. You can, you know, give them something that helps them, um, you know, explore, challenge themselves, push themselves, try something new. But you have to identify the builders on your team because if you don't identify them, they will begin to, they're, they're the ones who in a meeting will say, why are we doing this? Right? Well, okay. I know, I know we're way down the path. Why are we doing this? Let's try something completely different. And sometimes you think, well, this person's just a troublemaker. This person's never satisfied. Well, it could just be that they're trying to find expression for their builder tendencies that is not finding form in their current work. Okay, so who are the builders on your team? The second category is the fixer. Fixers are people who get charged up by analysis and diagnosis. They can quickly look at what's going on and they can identify the problem and they can fix it. They're great at fixing problems. So if you have a fixer on your team, you want to assign them to big problems that nobody else can seem to diagnose or solve. They're great at that, right? So if there's a broken system, 
Um, if there is a broken client relationship, these are the people that you want to assign to these projects because they're great at fixing things. The problem with fixers is they look for problems where no problems exist. And so if fixers don't have a problem to solve at any given time, they will look for problems to solve, even if it really there really isn't a problem. They will look for a problem to solve. So you have to identify the fixers on your team. These are the people who, by the way, are constantly looking for the problems. They're constantly bringing up issues. They're constantly approaching you with, hey, this is a this is a thing over here. You need to pay attention to this thing. Well, no, it's okay. It's fine. No, no, no. This is a problem. This needs to be solved right now. Here, let me go work on this. These are the people who are constantly raising problems for you. Organization. Not that they're being a problem, but they're raising problems because they're fixers. They're wired to look for problems. If you put a fixer against a job for a builder, then they're going to get frustrated because a wide open space is not helpful to them. They need to find a problem to solve. They need some inputs right they need uh, some some open loops to close if you ass- if you assign a fixer to a brand new project with no parameters they'll become paralyzed they're great at problem solving but they they don't do well with few parameters so you have to ensure that your fixers are in a, an environment where they're going to thrive and then the third category that wiser describes is optimizers optimizers are excited about taking something that's good and making it great. They're great at tweaking systems at, at you know, sort of getting the, the most efficiency out of something. That's what they're really, really good at. They're great at that. But the problem is if you put a, an optimizer in a builder role, again, they're going to become paralyzed because they're not wired to invent something new. They're wired to take something that exists and make it as efficient as it can possibly be. So, As you think about your team right now, who are your builders? Who are the people that come alive in group brainstorms or at the beginning of a client initiative? They're the people who will stay late into the night when you're having those early conversations, but they get really bored once you've decided on what you're going to do, and it's really hard to keep them engaged. Who are those people, and how can you put them against initiatives that will allow them to exercise their builder tendencies? Can you put them against maybe some back burner projects that need new kinds of ideas, new thoughts, new initiatives, new new, new kinds? of exploratory work that nobody's doing right now, can you give them a couple of sort of side projects to keep them engaged if the work itself isn't engaging for them? Or, you know, if you find that they tend to come alive early in the project, well, maybe you need to reshape their work portfolio so that they're primarily working against some of these early stage initiatives. Okay. Who are your fixers? Are there problems? Are there problems in your organization that haven't yet been tackled? And how can you identify those problems? How can you assign people, your fixers to those problems so that you can ensure that they are, uh, they have something, some open loop to close at all times. That's what fixers do well. And then who are your optimizers? Who are the people that are constantly tweaking systems, right? Who are the people who are constantly looking for ways to make things more efficient? Is there something you can put them against or is there a way you can rebalance their portfolio so that you're ensuring that they have some optimization focused tasks in their portfolio of work. Now listen, again, none of us, none of us get to do things we only want to do all the time. We all have to do tasks we don't want to do. We are create on demand professionals. Emphasis on the professionals. We have to do tasks we don't want to do. But if the biggest part, the biggest chunk of your work portfolio is outside of your area of core competence or your area of core interest, if you're a builder and you're primarily optimizing things all day, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get bored and you need to have that conversation with your manager or 
For you as a leader, think about the kinds of ways that you are deployed on behalf of your organization. And if you find that I'm a builder, I'm primarily about building new things, creating new systems, tackling new projects, but you essentially find yourself solving problems all day, this is over the course of time, this is going to grate on you. It's going to become really difficult for you to stay engaged. So how can you negotiate a rebalancing of your work portfolio so that you're primarily doing tasks that you're wired to do? Now, again, we don't all get to do work that we love to do all the time, but as a leader, you need to make sure that you are bringing your best to your team, which means that you're operating within your area of core competence and and, and uh and your, your primary, primary motivational archetype, but also for your team, as you look at the balance of work on your team, how can you shift things around to ensure that your builders are engaged early in a project on those entrepreneurial type initiatives, right? How can you ensure that your fixers are being given problems to solve open loops and assign them open loops to solve at certain parts of the project? Problem, uh, project? And how can you ensure that they're not being put against these wide open space type initiatives where they're going to get paralyzed? And same for your optimizers. Can you find systems in your organization to help them squeeze efficiency, help them do what it is they do best. Again, I I go into a lot more of this, including some questions you can ask to help you identify and all of this in Herding Tigers in the chapter called Lead Brilliance. But for now, these are just a couple of categories, a couple of things you can think about as a leader to ensure that you're positioning your team to bring their best every day. All right. Hey, would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, your comments about this. Interact at accidentalcreative.com is my email address. Would love to hear from you there. You can learn more about Herding Tigers at herdingtigers.net. We'll see you next time.